When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Not sure if you've seen, but there's been a big statement or come out from three presidents of the kindred bodies. And uh, I just wanted to make a bit of a statement about that because it states that uh, it's comparing the uh, employment expense of Harness Racing Victoria versus the employment expense of Harness Racing New South Wales. But And it states $5.5 million, but if you look through the New South Wales reports, they, the annual reports, and actually they break their their expenses, their employment expenses down. So there's three sections. There's a 5.5, a 1.9 and a 1.9. So uh, there's another section, you know, for race callers and, and race day judges. So they're in a different section. They're not included in the overall number. So they're not included in that 5.5 million that's been quoted, yet they are included in the HRV figures. And HRV do a lot of other things that Harness Racing New South Wales don't do as well. They do, uh, you know, like shared services model. They, they help clubs with accounting services. They help a lot of clubs, about 20 of the clubs with accounting services, preparing them uh, budgets and reports, et cetera, for board papers. There's a lot There's a lot that it differences in those two sets of figures. So I just – and I was involved at Trots Clubs Victoria, so I know a fair bit – behind the scenes there when we were discussing these in the past. So uh, it's a big statement that's gone out, but and it really doesn't compare apples with apples, unfortunately. So there's a lot in that, Dan. I don't expect you to make a comment, but uh, I just wanted to get that off my chest. Okay. Let's get to a break. <laughs> we'll get to a break. We'll do what we're here for. We'll come back and we'll kick off with race one at Melton on Saturday night. Friday form panel, Toby McKinnon and Dan Malecki with you. Race one at Melton on Saturday night is the Allied Express Melton Pace. It's the first heat. Uh, we'll talk with Dean Braun uh, at 11 o'clock, so it'll be interesting to get his thoughts on Holy Basil, who certainly, Dan, looks the horse to beat, mate. Yeah, definitely a strong chance. Gee, there's a few tough races uh, on yeah. Saturday night. Holy Basil's... A clear favourite, Toby, $2.60 at the moment. I don't know if that's unders. Um, look, he, he's going well enough to be a key chance. So I've, I've come up with where's Seggy, thinking that he might have actually been slightly better odds than what he is, but mm. he's going terrific, where's Seggy? So he's my tip in the first, the 11, but um, Holly Basil. Uh, Rock and Roll Wall is another one that you can identify as good value uh, at the moment at $13. Uh, he's Ollie, another one. Lip Reader caught the eye again last week, but with such a big field, he's going to get a long way back, you would think. Mm. Um, he is capable of making a mid-race move, though, but look, I'm uh, sticking with the Where's Seggy. Horse has been going terrific, and um, uh, I thought he was worth a, a, a couple of dollars each way, so 11 on top of 9, 6, 13. There are a few other chances as well. I'm not sure if I've really nailed this race because... There's a number of horses that I would have liked to have got into uh, my top four, but it's a good race to start the nine. It certainly is. And with these, I, I had a very similar opinion to you, Dan, in the sense it was very hard to work out. And then 
when that happens, I just resort back to pegs and leaders. So I thought he's Ollie would lead and would be in front for a long way. Whether he leads all the way, I'm not sure. Would I want to take anything less than 650 and 220? No, I wouldn't. I think that's sort of rock bottom price for him. But I think he's the horse that'll be in front for a long way. I don't think Major Major will hold him out. He might get a little bit of pressure early. But he's he's in my mind the safest chance in the race. If I if if as I said last week, if you forced me to have a bet, he's the one that I felt was the safest horse to be in it. Is he the best horse in the race? I don't think so. I think there's probably six off the back row that are better than him. And even perhaps Rock and Roll Waller as well. Uh, but they don't have the draw that he does. And it'll be it's a very interesting race. It'll be intriguing to hear from Dean Braun. Has Holy Basil improved? Or was he at his best his last couple of runs? Uh, it will be a very interesting race. And where's Seggy? We can't wait till he wins one of these races. It'll be a wonderful story for Adrian Pace. Yeah, absolutely. Look, Holly Basil, I don't think, has to improve. You only have to look at his splits from his last run and that mm. form through, I think, it's very strong, isn't it? So that sets him up in good stead here, Holly Basil. Just a matter of price. Um, I was searching for a bit of value and I'd come up with one I thought would be actually better odds. Yeah. Uh, where's Seggy? But a horse that I've been putting into my numbers. Um, Rock and Roll Waller, not dissimilar. Uh, he's at least the horse that's really stepped up. He's only... You know, reasonably lightly raced, but I think he's going places. Uh, Ghost of Time could make it interesting early. He is cool. first up, but he's got good gate speed. Um, and depending on how hard he might have to work or what speed's generated in that first half of the race, a horse like Key and Kamikaze will be fit out. If he can get off the pegs, what did you say? Likes to go around them. Sheffield Sparky wasn't that bad last week, and even Lip Reader. Um, you know, he's a pretty handy horse, and I think he's going well enough. He just needs to get a, the right race shape to be able to win one. He certainly does. Race two, the high gain Melton pace. This is the second heat, and I don't know if it really got much easier, Dan. Talk time is a, is is an intriguing runner in the race because you first look at the form and you think, oh, it's not that great. But when you go back through it, fifth in an Oaks heat, fourth, fifth, and tenth through a Breeders' Crown series, and second, third, and eighth through a Vic Bread series. So you come out of that top level running sort of placings and midfield into a race like this, you draw the pole and you, you're trained by Emma Stewart. It's very hard to go past, but it's sort of hard to tip at the same time. What, what did you settle on in race two? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I, I suppose you could compare a, a talk time uh, with a non-pareal. Uh, they're, they're horses yeah. that have come through a similar race series. I don't think there's been a lot between them. So, non pareil certainly looks like she's far better value compared to a talk time. Um, but the draw is the difference, um, perhaps. Uh, well, it clearly is the difference um, uh, with the, the two of them, one on the front, one on the back row. But I was a bit like you. I, I wasn't confident enough to tip talk time. Yeah. Prefer to see her at this level. I'm sure she can shape up. But being first up uh, at, at a metropolitan level. I think you can count these as metropolitan races, can't you? As in probably our old yeah. MO type races. So yeah. they're very hard to win first up. So I've, I've looked outside of talk time. I think the chance is going well enough and uh, it's certainly value enough at the $12. So I've got him on top. Um, respect for I'm the captain as well. It comes down with a different form line. There's a couple of runners that Amanda Turnbull or the Turnbull stable have, has sent down um, and he looks well placed. I am the I am the captain here, um, 
and uh, our Uncle Jim, I know he's drawn badly, but I still think he's got a place chance. I think he's been going well enough. So I've got talk time in my mix, but I've put the 12 on top, the chancer. I think at $12, he represents, well, obviously a bit of value there, but he's going well enough. Uh, nine, non pareil. 11, I am the captain. And one, talk time. Chance, uh, perhaps a place chance for our Uncle Jim, but there's a few others that fit that category as well. Again, another race I don't feel confident that I've worked <laughs> out, but I'm happy enough at least with the price. And I think the chancer at $12 is worth a ticket each way. 12, 9, 11 and 1. I was actually hoping you'd be really confident, Dan, and then I could just say, well, I'm just going to follow your tips because I have zero confidence in this race. It's so tricky. Maybe Magic Mike is also a chance getting the run behind talk time. If it holds up yeah. the front and Magic Mike's on his back at 14 and 280, he could run a place. And I wouldn't be it'd be interesting to see if non Peril then drops to three back to pegs and whether this becomes pegs dominated, but it's only eight dollars and two forty. So you wouldn't want to sort of risk a three pegs runner at, at those odds. So sweet passion. There's a lot of good again. There's a lot of good form off that second row. So you end up weighing up the better class horses versus barrier draws. But the extra question mark here is is talk time is first up. I just cognizant of what happened during the week with a couple of their horses first up, Emma Stewart, that just they hadn't trialed really well. So there's a bit of a query around them, like Bay of Biscay, but. I don't know if you saw some of those runs at Bendigo, but they were absolutely outstanding, the Emma Stewart horses. So if you factor all that in, again, I'm I'm sort of arguing against myself whether talk time can win or not. It'll be a very interesting race and looking forward to the final on uh, Saturday week. I assume that final is. I didn't check into that, but I make that assumption. Race three, 75 years of night trotting in Victoria. Oh, it's... That's an interesting name of a race. I wasn't aware of that. I probably should have done something about it this week. Uh, the Winter Trotters Cup first heat. And I think it, it's easy to get a bit of confidence in this race. We've seen seen a lot of these horses going around pretty regularly over the past six months and or at least over the last few weeks, Dan. And uh, Love Gun was ultra impressive last week at, uh, at Ballarat, mate. Was indeed, and that was first up as well. Yeah. Uh, it was scratched the week before, so I think we just had a little bit of query of uh, where he was at, but he's returned in fine style. A dominant favourite this time. Uh, I think there's a bit more depth here, though. Kai Valley Piero, I think, is going particularly well. Um, he uh, His run last start was excellent. He looked like he was going to be in the mix for the lead, and then he broke, and he was charging up the finish, so... I've identified him pretty quickly as a horse that's ready to win. So I've got Kai Valley Piero on top from Love Gun. Love Gun, very hard to beat on that performance last week with improvement to come out of it. Uh, Central Otago's in terrific form and Aruakoe obviously going terrific as well. Um, over and out's the interesting runner because it's got a very good record, this seven-year-old, but it's competed in Queensland through the standing start um, trotting championship series and, and went terrific, ran second in the final and it was only just beaten as well. So... Different shape up here because it's a mobile, but I think it's one we must respect. So my tips are four, three, eight, and seven. I think Kai Valley Piero at six dollars fifty is a really good each way play. Yeah, he's been a wonderful horse over and out. Robert Evans bought the horse relatively cheap. He was broken down at the time, and spent a, he spends a lot of time with him and on his legs. You know that extra probably forty five minutes when he works the horse. You know, putting the the white paste stuff they put on their legs and 
trying to get him recovered from every workout, every single time he works him. And a big stable just wouldn't be able to do that. And he's done a wonderful job with the horse over and out. It was a great campaign in Queensland and would have been great to see him win that race. He's come back and uh, he, he, he'll be suited, I think, by the heat and final conditions, despite what I've just said. He, he'll go better next week in the final. And uh, best of luck to Robert, who we've had on this show and shared that story a couple of times, actually. So... Uh, best of luck to him. I think he's he's a wonderful chance in this race as well. He'll get a cross-naked ambition at the start and uh, then probably hand up to Love Gun. So I just feel after last week, it could be very hard to beat Love Gun, but uh, over and out will be the main danger. Central Otago is a very nice horse, and even even the likes of Baltica can run a race, Dan, who we, we tip a lot of weeks Baltica. Yeah, absolutely. I, I didn't really want to leave her out. I thought she'd win okay last start, but... Yeah. It's probably let me down. You can only tip a horse so many times, can't you, before yeah. you uh, decide to uh, just put it in the sin bin. And and I don't want to do that per se. Oh, if I take an early quaddy, it'll be in there. But yeah. um, I just have to work around it this week. Well, there wouldn't be too many you'd leave out of an early quaddy here. Is there maybe the pole horse, Naked Ambition, might find it hard from three back the fence? But I reckon the rest could nearly win the race. Oh, look, no doubt. The the markets say that. When you see Baltica at $21, I'd be inclined to have something on her at that price. I think she's going she's going all right, but maybe not as good as what we expect she can go. Um, the last run, she loomed up and didn't quite finish it off, so I think she's at her peak fitness-wise, but there might be just slightly more depth in this race when you add Love Gun into the mix and Central Otago. Uh, it evens it out a little bit, but that might actually help Baltica. She might need that true, genuine speed, and uh, she can run well. But you, you said Naked Ambition. It's the same price as Baltica, $21. Yeah. So I, I think I'd rate Baltica well ahead of Naked Ambition. Yeah, uh, we won't go into any further with Naked Ambition. Let's get to a break. We'll come back the other side. We'll have a look at race four in our Melton preview. Welcome back, Friday form panel. Toby McKinnon filling in the host chair. Dan Malecki, the superstar, is with us. Now, Dan, this is a great race to download the Tab App three-year-old pace. And it's an intriguing affair in the sense that, do you think, Dan, Chris Elford lights Sahara Breeze up at the start again and gets across them all like he did at Kilmore? And if that's the case... How is Sahara Breeze 460 and Joyful $1.90? I'm not sure about those prices. Mm. And we often talk about prices and we're not, we're, not, we're not bagging out the people that assess the prices. It's just we see things differently to them and probably half the time we're right and half the time they're right, which evens out in the long run. But how did you see the start of this race? Yeah, look, I, I tend to agree with you. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because mm. I would have thought that... You know, Sahara Breeze last start was um, was was terrific. Not really the horse thought that would be able to do that, but did it and did yeah. it impressively. Yeah. Um, two alterations here is that Greg Sugars drove Sahara Breeze last start, and Chris Alford's back on. Chris is the regular. I say the regular driver. Chris, uh, Greg had driven the horse previously for success, and Joyful was driven by Kate Gath last start, and Mark Pitt takes the drive. So, and Kate goes on to number one, perfect in pink. Who is. Look, it was expected to win the way it did, but she was very impressive and gets the barrier draw. So um, I, I think Sahara Breeze could well be lit up like that again uh, with an attempt to lead because uh, if that happens, Perfect in Pink is going to get a, a lovely run and 
joyful, might have to sit parked again. Um, look, both, all of those fillies, they've got bigger fish to fry, so to speak, but it's a good mm. $20,000 race. Mm. Um, I've lent the way of the one, perfect in pink. Uh, she got a terrific record, group one placed. She's come back well, that's clear. That was her first run this year. Only out of the money once, um, but she's competed at the group one level. And look, she might have been not a long way off Joyful. She's run second, beaten less than three metres in a Group 1 Vic Bread final. Um, and then prior to that in the uh, uh, place behind Major Delight in the, in the Breeders' Crown as well, she gets a good gait on this occasion. Yeah. Um, and I, I think she might be able to um, capitalise. So I've put her on top, Joyful, Sahara Breeze, a bit like you. I, uh, looking at the early markets, um, look, Joyful on, on exposed form, um, probably favoured, but Sahara Breeze didn't beat her by much, but had a, an advantage of the barrier draw and used it to advantage. So yeah. one six five and four Aureus, who's not going as well as she can, but she's a good filly. Oh, it's an intriguing race, small field, but the first 100 metres is going to be key to it. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad I saw that one the same as you, and literally the same. I think perfect in pink. And, and you go back through second in that Tatlow from the second row, third in the Breeders' Crown final. That was from gate seven, and boy, she flashed home that occasion. And I did. I can be quoted on air as saying she'd win the Breeders' Crown off the uh, win the Vic Bread final off the back of that. And she came out about uh, two weeks later, and she ran. She led in a heat and ran third at Shepparton. And I didn't know where she was at perfect in pink, but she then ran second in that Vic Bread from three back the fence. And I just feel like. And she's got she's pretty well bred actually. Um, that ladies in red's gone okay in the past. Uh, I, I just feel like she might be the one that really improves this year. And if you actually pin me down, Dan, and said who'll win the Oaks later in the year, I'd say perfect in pink. So I'll settle with her. Uh, Sahara Breeze, I agree 100. percent I think it gets across them at the start, and then uh, Joyful's going to have to be outstanding if she's going to sit parked outside those two and beat them. If she does that, that will be an incredible performance. Dan, let's get to the 11 o'clock news. We'll come back with Dean Braw, my great mate. I've known him pretty much all my life. On the other side, and uh, we'll chat a little bit about a couple of things. Uh, he's got some runners in uh, the teams have tonight at Geelong which I know will mean a lot to Dean. He's sort of a Geelong boy now. Let's get to that 11 o'clock news. We'll be back the other side with Dean Braun and Dan Malecki on the Friday Form Panel. Friday Form Panel, Toby McKinnon and Dan Malecki. And we're joined by Dean Braun. Dean, firstly, mate, uh, how are you and whereabouts are you today? Uh, yeah, good, thanks, Toby. Yeah, very well. And um, no, just at home, just finished the, at the barn and come home for a, do a bit of paperwork and get into it again. Very good, mate. Uh, we've got got a couple of runners in tomorrow night. Holy Basil gets a sort of a not a bad draw. I think you'll settle up pretty close. And assuming he's close enough, mate, do you think he'll be too strong? Has he improved off those last couple of runs? Or do you expect him to be about the same and that's about the level he'll get to this prep? Uh, yeah, no, happy with him. Looks like a race is going to be genuine speed early, so that'll help. And he should, you know, as you said, Get a great run through, hopefully. Um, yeah, no, I think he's definitely better than um, than when he won at Kilmore on his third in that final behind um, Aaron Dunsauce. Uh, he's probably looking for maybe after this, hopefully he can get through the final and after this maybe have a little let up for 10 days and um, just reset and refresh and go again. I think that's what I did with him last time and um, just before he run third in the Tontine behind Catchaway. He was good in Tassie, but he just wanted a little freshen up because he's been in work a long time and 
sometimes these horses get a little bit tired before they're ready to sort of go again. He's um, he's only likely raced, Dean, at what, 14 starts to date, and but he, he probably, except for the early stage of his career, this is the most solid preparation he's had. Yeah, that's right, Dan. He's um, he's actually a really nice horse. There's been no secret, you know, I think, I think a lot of him, but soundness issues has probably stopped him from, from going um, as far as what he what he could have or what he should have. Um, but <clears throat> Touchwood at the moment, he's um, he's as good as he's ever been, and um, we'll probably give him a couple more runs and just, like I said, give him 10 days off and reset and go again. And hopefully, fingers crossed, we're on top of all these little issues and um, start getting rewarded for a little bit of the patience. We've spoken on here, Dean, a bit, about how you, you have these horses now, you train them for a little while and it's like a little stop, stopover before they head to America. It doesn't feel like Holy Basil's that sort of horse, though? Uh, not really. Just with the issues mm. he's had, we couldn't sell him. We might, You know, there's an option to send him there at some stage, um, but obviously I want to make sure he's 100% sound and <clears throat> he's going to stand up to a preparation over there um, before we went to the expense of, of sending him. But um, he's definitely got enough ability, but just whether he can stay sound or not. I was um, going through, before we get to our Uncle Jim, you know, I've known you for a long time, but going through some of those top horses that you have and um, after a while new top horses come along, other people's horses, but I was looking at a story or a photo I saw of Chartin in um, in, in America uh, with a, I think it was a filly, but it was certainly a foal to Captain Treacherous. I'm going back, you know, six months ago or so. And it made me think of some of the top horses that you've had and, and you know, um, without uh, trying to make you show off, I'll lead the way and, and I'll remember horses like Cruz Bromac, Nike Franco, I'm Causing Terror, obviously Chartin. Remind us just of a couple of others, will you? Oh, it's been a few, Dan. i um, <laughs> been fortunate enough to have horses like Chili Palmer and Chancellor Cullen. Um, it's no surprises there. Pacific Playgirl, been very lucky over the years to... Um, have some very nice horses in the barn. Yes, indeed you have been very fortunate. It feels like you've just read out the seven Tatsado numbers <laughs> to make someone a multi. Um, uh, but, I mean, even those broodmares, you mentioned Pacific Playgirl, it's no surprises there. I mean, it's no surprises there. You see her progeny going around, being a wonderful producer as well. We, we, Chartin was the... I mean, amazingly, probably heads the top of the list with what she was able to do in America, which is quite staggering and to a, to a little degree probably went uh, unnoticed uh, from from Australian fans because even though she won some Oaks races here, to, to, to get that accolade in the US, I mean, you must be pretty chuffed about because as much as you didn't have that one-on-one connection with her after that, but uh, I mean, that's a pretty amazing feat. Yeah, she, I mean, she went on to be the best mare in the world and, you know, paced 46. But, yeah, we probably both got our ideas on why they didn't get the recognition they probably should have got here. But um, anyway, it is. But, yeah, I've been, like I said, been very fortunate to have some very nice horses. <laughs> and, um, yeah, was very, very proud of her to go on and do what she did. And, uh, yeah, we had a close, close relationship with Tim Teachrick and Jim King, you know, along the way. And, uh, yeah, it was... It was very special to be a part of that, small part of that journey anyway. You didn't mention the horse that earned the most prize money ever for you, either Carla's Pixel, who has, but hasn't been a bad broodmare either. So it's a pretty amazing list when you think of it you've, and you've left off Carla's Pixel. Shannon Nixon's not listening anyway because he hasn't sent a text message in. Dean, uh, roll along to 
our Uncle Jim, who's absolutely going terrifically well, and you probably didn't want gate seven on Saturday night, but when you get a gate like this, do you turn your attention to just getting into the final and hoping for a better draw? Yeah, that's right, Toby. Um, I did forget about Carlos Fixel. You're right, Shannon was probably <laughs> lucky enough to uh, to come in at the tail end of her career, and uh, yeah, he was pretty fortunate to be uh, uh, in her, in her late in her career. Um, but yeah, I also left off like like Macca too, which uh, yeah, you know, he could have been anything that horse. But yeah, anyway, sorry, we're going to get off track. Uh, yeah, Uncle Jim, he's, <laughs> he's he's had some good draws, uh, and his lack of gate speed sort of hasn't helped him recently. Hopefully. Uh, Barrier seven, yeah, we just got to try and find a spot. Uh, he does seem to to go better for the female drivers, so we've had Karen driving him and Paul Kez has hurt herself, so we've got Kate on him tomorrow night. We just need a genuine tempo with him. I think um, the horse is going really, really well, uh, but just hasn't had a lot of luck, and he probably doesn't make his own luck because he just does lack that bit of gate speed. He's another old horse. He's been around for a while, so you've been able to rejuvenate him. He certainly held up as far as consistency is concerned, this prep. Yeah, he has, Dan. I actually bought him just as a GP for, would you believe it, for Basil and, uh, and Bollinger. But um, so far, he's earned a lot more than Bollinger has. But anyway, hopefully uh, he's got Bollinger has his time to come. But yeah, he's a lovely horse to do anything with and just, just seems to thrive on racing and doesn't do much during the week. And yeah, he's, uh, he's earned a bit of prize money, which helps. How many horses are you working, Dean? Oh, we're working three at the moment. Normally do four, but I'm actually in the process of looking at a, um, a fabrics business because under the current administration or the previous administration, I'm not sure uh, where we're going, so we might be able to um, sell some ribbons or something like that to HRV <laughs> at some stage. <laughs> nice, nice, Dean. Uh, very well played. Uh, yes, you're going into the ribbon business. Very good, very good, mate. Um, you've, you've thrown me now. Tonight, I wanted to ask you about tonight. Are you going to head down to Geelong? At, and, and what teams are doing is absolutely fantastic. Someone gets the opportunity to become a shareholder in Captain Ravishing and no doubts. I know you didn't have Cruz Bromac for the whole journey with, with Team Zav and but you're a big part of that Cruz Bromac story, so there'd be people you'd be pretty familiar with and know very well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, we won't be able to get there tonight, but, you know, Danny and Joe Zavitsanos really need to be commended on what they've done tonight. It's it's amazing, and, you know, to, to owners to put in their own money and promote try and promote the sport like they have, it's, it's unbelievable, really, and, um, you know, they've done a fantastic job. I know a lot of work's gone into it. I've sort of had numerous conversations with Danny and Joe about it, and it's it's fabulous, and anyone who is in the area really should try and get down there tonight because it's a fantastic, fantastic initiative, and um, I'm sure you'd have a great night. You, you're there, yeah, Dan? looking forward to being there. Yeah, just weather-wise, hopefully, I see there's uh, some dark clouds north and south, so hopefully they're skirting around Cario uh, for the rest of the day. But you're right. Um, I mean, the highlight are horses that aren't even racing tonight, which is fabulous, and they've put a lot of time and effort and thought into it. And you know, I hope a lot of people turn up. There's a market there. They've got all the market stalls, Dean. And I know what you're like. Uh, you're pretty good, thrifty at you know buying some. Uh, uh, as far as your fashion is concerned. So there might be the right sort of stalls there where you might have to rethink and make yourself available to come down at least in the early part and sift through some of those market stalls. Yeah, well, that's that's a, that's a uh, distinct possibility, Dan. But, yeah, no, Joe's gone <laughs> above and beyond. And, you know, for, for Andy to take horses like Catch a Wave and Clayton Emma to take Mac Dan and 
obviously Armin and has to have that horse there. It's you know it's fantastic really, and it's it's really what the sport needs, and um, it's it's fantastic that they um, have been able to do that and organise that. If you could choose one, Dean, and don't sit on the fence. I don't expect a fence sitter on this show. You can only choose one for the Eureka to train from now on and, and have run for you. Who would you choose, mate? Well, there's only one horse for mine, and that's my opinion, and it's Leap to Fame. But yeah. I just don't think I could handle the pressure in training him. I think Grant Twister do an amazing job. But, you know, I think he's a benchmark. Um, he's an amazing horse, and I follow the races in, uh, in New Zealand pretty closely and obviously North America very closely. And, you know, I'm sure that he would go with the absolute elite in North America. Uh, he seems to have it all. He's going to be. Uh, he's been well managed through his career, and I just yeah, he'd be he'd be the horse I have. But yeah, no doubt. And I'll say that's with no disrespect to the others at all. And, and I'll say uh, the best horse you've ever had, Scotch Burner. Um, I remember him winning for me somewhere <laughs> once. I was on board. It was good odds, and uh, I collected pretty well. And it was, we're probably talking early two thousands. So I'm still with Scotch Burner as your best horse, Dean. I don't know how I could have left him out of that top ten, but anyway, uh, <laughs> too many to remember. But anyway, he was probably very good for us one day, no doubt. He certainly was. Dan, any more for Dean or we'll let him go? Oh, no, I could rattle off about ten names, <laughs> but they'd definitely be in the bottom ten. <laughs> yeah. Wengo, Wengaro, it's a tear neck. That's the sort of horse you might have a share in, Dean. Uh, Dan. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I had a few there at one stage. Uh, Dean, but um, yeah, I, I I wasn't fortunate enough to get a Chartin or a Carla's Pixel, or but we we got a few winners anyway. Class exemplified from both of you. Thank you very much, Dean. Have a great afternoon, mate. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. There's Dean Braun. Let's get a breakaway, Dan, and we'll turn our attention back to Melton on Saturday night. Welcome back, Friday Form Panel. Toby McKinnon in the host chair with the number one senior operator in the building is sitting in ollie great to have ollie as our panel op dan malecki is with me as well dan we have moved on to race five the waste sense our maestro free for all mates i'm staggered here at the fact yam bucky and his 550 and 210 can you just confirm i'll have to double check did he beat the miracle mile winner at his last start yam bucky yeah, but you got to say it um, uh, quietly because uh, I've, and Andy Gatt's having nightmares about it. He still cannot believe that uh, Ian Buckian was able to beat Catch a Wave. I don't think anyone in the camp could possibly believe it. So uh, I think he thinks it's a nightmare and until he looks at the form in the uh, in the race book to see that Ian Buckian did win last start, he'll realise it wasn't a dream. Um one thing I just want to make note of before we progress, because I'll forget otherwise, and it's yeah. something we don't want other people to forget, is that there's a big six jackpot Saturday night. Yep. I don't know why it's taken the tab so long to to reignite it. I would have thought it was a, a betting type that was more exclusive to harness racing, and it's not something the corporates really follow on, so it's more exclusive to the tab. But we've got another really good big six jackpot. Um, they're seeding the pool with an expected 100000 in it. And I think it's the sort of night that um, you would probably want to get involved with the potential of getting a bit of a result. So the the big six races three through to eight, races three through to eight, uh, with a potential $100,000 or more in that pool. So uh, it's well worth, well, perhaps listening to us uh, to factor in uh, some selections, uh, as well as those of the, the individual uh, to get involved with the big six tomorrow night at Melton. Yeah, well said, Dan. So 
Are you? Do you tip Yampakian, or is there something off the second row that that you found, or do you think just a little sip can can blouse them first up? Look, there are so many potential questions. <laughs> yeah. I thought you could have rattled off another six or seven oh, to well, me there. Good, to be but... fair, um, it's just such an even race f- for various reasons. Yampakian. It, was that the true Yambuckian last start? Do you treat it on face value? Do you look at it, upon it as catch away being disappointing? Do you look upon it Yambuckian stepping up? You see just a little sip. He'd been scratched a few times and then given a bit of a let up. So how forward is he? Does pull the other leg start and something else is scratched in the race and just stuff everything up completely <laughs> by having an emergency in the field instead of being outside the field? Yes. Uh, just hope second up, what improvement it takes. He's the son of a gun. Does he go terrific here and get a last-minute call-up for the Tabureka? Um, Max Delight, Victoria Cup winner from old. He's going okay. Did we give him another chance at odds? Like a wildfire, probably get a, a more genuinely run race for a change and a free-for-all. Bulletproof boy, excellent returning. Triple eight first up. Is he ready? Hurricane Harley, uh, he regained his mojo back with Emma Stewart. He's had a freshen up. How's he going to go off the back line? And better Eclipse is a multiple group one winner who will improve, no doubt as any of the horses are first up, but he might have the quality, he might have the class to be able to win this first up. There's yeah. so many questions, and that's fantastic. I can't answer them all. I've got <laughs> question marks ne- next to every question I've asked myself, <laughs> yeah. and I'm not sure if I've got it right at all. Um, it's a terrific race, isn't it? It's a really good race. You get the race book of this, our maestro free-for-all, and in, say, 10 years' time, reflect back on it, and you think, gee, that was a good race. Yeah, yeah. Um, but... I, to, to, to pick the winner here with confidence, I can't do initially. I, I look forward to seeing some of these horses parade, horses like Just a Little Sip, Triple Eight, Hurricane Harley, uh, Better Eclipse, and even those horses like a Just Hope seeing a second up and a Yambuckian. There'll be more eyes on Yambuckian parading this time than last time, I would imagine. But, oh, look, I, um, I'm not sure if I've got this right. I thought maybe a more genuine tempo, and I'm, I'm not certain that there will be, but I imagine the second-row horses will have to come into the race at some stage, and it might just generate that tempo that would suit a like a wildfire. He might be up to beating a, a Hurricane Harley or a better Eclipse, but if he's going to beat them, it's now with a bit of um, uh, fitness uh, in uh, to his advantage. So... 9, 12, 13 and 6 and look, uh, you can poke holes through everything I've suggested there <laughs> and say why didn't you put this into your top four and why didn't you put that into your top four and you know what, I cannot offer an argument why I can't but I could just uh, come up with those four and if I scrubbed them out and forgot what I tipped, I'd probably come up with a, a, a different set of tips. It's a, it's a really good hard race, 9, 12, 13, 6. Yeah, well I'll just take the opposing view then. I think Yambuckian will get to the front. I think Kate can roll pretty even tempo throughout the middle and totally steadily increasing the speed throughout the race as we've seen her do before. And if she does that, I think he's the safest way to play the race at each way value, 550 and 210. I just think he's a little bit overs because I feel he gets the front uh, and I don't think the emergency affects that too much to Yam Buckian. It might affect it to some others, but maybe not to Yam Buckian. So uh, with, com- with with a bit of confidence too, I- I'll be tipping Yam Buckian in that race. He'd be my best bet of the night. Uh, race five, number four, Yam Buckian. And what, as you said, Dan, terrific race and, uh, and nearly anything can win that race, even, even line up. I'd be interested to see how he goes, but just might need that one more run. Race six, the Victorian Harness Racing 
Hall of Fame. Ah, this is another intriguing affair. And it was about this time last week, Dan, I said, it just looks like at this race at Ballarat, there's going to be a lot of speed on, and I think there'll be a lot of horses come from back in the field. And I named four of them, and, and I said to put them all in a in a bundle bet. Well, they ran the trifecta between those those four horses. Well, so I got one ride, and I just looked at this race, and I thought, geez, there's a lot of speed here. One, two, three, and four, all going forward at the start. If the speed's on in the race, I start looking to the back row. What did you think of this race? How did you see it, mate? Yeah, well, Aussie Battler's quick out. Chilliby Nitro's better following a back. Even though it can get out quick, it would look to take cover. Would it engage in a duel with Aussie Battler? They would attempt to head it off before handing up to... I would think, and, and I think, I think it's pretty quick off the gate as well. And Raw for Roscoe's at least got a good gate to, to draw handily. Whiskey Cavalier, yeah. not really known for gate speed, try to press on. Kafaji, while all this is happening, the more uh, speed there is, it's going to generate an opportunity for him to get away from the pegs. Yes. Uh, and that might be key to the race. Look, I, I, I've tipped, I think, I was thinking that I think might work to the front. Jillaby Nitro hold its back, but the truth is Aussie Battler is a very fast beginner. But I think the way it cruised down the straight last start, the, the improvement it's made from run to run, just this preparation is extraordinary. He won like a Group 1 horse the other day. The last 100 metres, it was an arrogant performance. And um, I, I think that he can win again. Four, two, eight Kafaji. It's just the barrier draw. But the more I'm looking at the race now, I think he will get off. Uh, well, he's going to have to, isn't he? Get off the pegs. But yeah. um, that was a much better run last week. Uh, and yet his form looks consistent. It's taken him a while to really find his mojo, this preparation. But I reckon he's got it now. And um, and Whiskey Cavalier, Raw for Oscar is the other obvious horse I would like to have put in as well. Again, it's a terrific race. Four, two, eight and six. Yeah, interesting. Oh, if I, I'm having a play in the race, I'm looking back row. Like Captain Arg, Kowalski Analysis, Kafaji. Yes, I think has been very impressive, but he is up in grade. He hasn't raced horses of the level of, of a Kowalski Analysis or a La Captain yet. He's raced at free-for-all level, La Captain. He gets Greg Sugars back on board, and for whatever reason, I think Greg's got a wonderful record with this horse, La Captain. Uh, so if, if I'm having a little play in the race, it'd be it'd be on a like captain at 19 and 4.40 and, and an arg at 18 and 4.20, I think, if the speed's on. David Miles was giggling to himself in that race last week at Ballarat. The speed was really You reckon hard. he was, though? He, you reckon he was actually just having a chuckle he, during the run? He said we'll it have the, to ask him. I did ask him, and he said at the 600, that, I think that might be the quote, I was giggling to myself, Toby. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can't... I can't remember his exact sentence, but it was something along those lines. I was actually uh, chatting to him. I've interviewed a guy called David Raphael for a chat that I'm going to play in a couple of weeks. And David Miles was giving me a lot of dirt on him. And it's a very fun chat with uh, someone that you would know pretty well, Dan. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. That's that's terrific. A name we haven't heard from uh, for a while either. But yeah, David um, uh, was uh, driving for a while. Um, yep. Adam Crettenham was a driver for a while too, another well-known race caller. So there's been a few and, and David Miles was um, uh, the common denominator uh, amongst that. But he'll have some pretty funny stories, no doubt, Dave. And there's probably a few there that either he told that he shouldn't or yes. he can't. <laughs> 
He did. He did sort of. He does give one away about himself, which Miles he dobbed him in, and he he does allude to something that that David Miles might have done wrong at some stage as well, uh, which is pretty funny stuff. And it's an amazing chain of events with how David Rafael ended up where he was and where harness harness racing played a huge role in him. And uh, I I did I have. Uh, had Adam Crettenden on, had a chat with Adam Crettenden. It, go, it went for about 40 minutes. Uh, that's been played. Uh, that was uh, part one of the series. Part two will be David Rafael. And then I'll close it out with Rick McIntosh as well. I've spoken to Rick. He's agreed he's going to come on sometime. We'll record a chat with Rick as well. So we've got Breeders Week next week. So it'll be on hold for another week. And uh, we'll catch up with those guys uh, over the coming weeks. But, yeah, looking forward to sharing the David Rafael one. There's some very funny stuff in amongst it. And amazing the story of how things had to play out for him throughout his life to end up where he was and, and the big say harness racing had in it. Let's get to the 11.30 news. We'll come back and we've got two, three more races to get through races seven, eight and nine at Melton. You win some, you lose more. For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Welcome back, Toby McKinnon in the host chair, Dan Malecki with me. The Alabar Vicbred Platinum Mares Sprint Championship final is the 17-20 metre dash. I love this little series. And Dan, uh, if I can play one bet in this race, I'd trifecta up an Emma Stewart trifecta, 3, 4 and 11. I think they're going to control the race. What are your thoughts? Look, probably uh, from what we've seen, we've got the exposed uh, form from... Uh, star celebrity and then the up-and-comers in high profile and, and what a delight. Both were very impressive uh, at their last starts. What a delight. Unbeaten, of course. Mark Pitt with the drive. So we haven't seen their ceilings yet. So uh, mm. they actually look the biggest threats to star celebrity um, on the way up. Norm's lady's got a chance. Just the draw doesn't help. But I tend to think you're probably right. No argument from me. Yep. Uh, star celebrity. I've tipped 11, 3, 4 and 7. Uh, star celebrity rightfully is the favourite because we know where she's at and she know we know how good she, that she is. But um, one thing the Emma Stewart stable are, are very good at doing, getting uh, lightly raced horses even up against what seems like better opposition or out of their class. And if they're good enough, they, they certainly can beat them. And what a delight. Um, I'll be interested in your opinion because um, she has been very impressive from bad draws. I mean, she's won from inside the back row twice and outside the front line in her other wins. So what sort of gate speed are we expecting? Well, I think enough. I think Kia Aura Beauty will cross Nikki Nana. I think those two will go pretty hard initially. And Mark Pitt, he will not hit that panic button early. He'll work his way to the front. Uh, the fact he's driving, what a delight, over high profile. I would assumed he would have had some sort of a say in that he, he he's driven high profile a couple of times and know it wasn't this preparation but i would have thought that uh, he would have gone on the best of those two chances i don't think uh anyone loses anything when ellen mcdonough drives him and and well he's driven star celebrity every single start of its career so uh yeah i'm i'm sort of with the market here i suppose three and eleven each or two and high profile i imagine works to the chair 
probably hands up to star celebrity. And so often in these races, it ends up that way. When Emma Stewart's got multiple runners, they'll have the leader, they'll have the horse in the chair and maybe the 1-1, for example, and then they sort of control the race as such and it makes it very difficult for other horses in the race. Uh, a smoky chance to a horse like Kendi's Butterfly off the pegs, uh, Wendy's Wish, uh, Nikki Nana certainly. If she ends up on the leader's back, she could she could run a placing as well in, in what's a really good race, the $40,000 Mare Sprint Championship final. Race 8 is the Alabar Vic Bread Pace. And it's an, it's an intriguing race this Dan, with a lot of different form lines that seem to have merged from all over the shop. <laughs> there's mare, the horses coming out of mare's grade. There's uh, Ever Hoping second up. Uh, you've got a horse like Cheers Salou, who's a three-year-old. He's Charlie's Angels. Got Queensland form coming back down here. Gee, it's a tricky race to line up, Dan. It is. It's a good race. There's a lot yeah. of different form lines, isn't there? There's. Uh... A number of horses that haven't, well, only one or two horses have won in the last three starts and one of them I'm going to put on top here. Um, a, a challenging race but a good race because there's opportunities for plenty of horses to be able to win it. I, I don't think it's that straightforward, but I think Diamond Shoes is going really well. It was an excellent run last week. The draw should, should help a bit here. Um, and remember, this is over the 1,720 metres as well, so a very mm. important barrier draw, potentially two if Celestio Matuka doesn't start. So diamond shoes for me, uh, the three, uh, but with plenty of other chances, ever hoping can improve here, gets the claim with Ryan Sanderson, finds the right race to be able to utilise that claim as well, so ever hoping can bounce off that first up run. Um, six, he's Charlie's Angels, got the, the strength and the speed to push forward at the start. Um, he, when he left, he, he won here and he was probably just still slightly underdone, went to Queensland, tougher races. Um, and back here, he should be spot on, I would imagine, anyway. So he'll take plenty of beating, a strong winning chance. Monami is going really well and the race shape yeah. might suit her as well. There's a few others that you could give ticks to and cheers to Lou, who's got the gate speed. Alvin Savenko has been uh, racing well. All-Stars Frankie, bad gate, but respecting of. Cemetery Bay's going well. I've tipped 3, 10, 6, 11, but again, another really good race. There's plenty of races Saturday night where um, there's more than just the obvious, you know, two to three chances, and this is another one of those races. It certainly is. I, I ended up settling on Cheers to Lou. I, I know it's a three-year-old, but it's virtually a four-year-old, and it's over the 17, 10 metres, and, and you just go back to when it when it's led on occasion at Melton against those three-year-olds, and over the middle trip dis, distance of 22, 40 metres, it's been beaten five metres in 156.5. So I think that'll line up, and, and it's got the gate speed to lead. It's Peter Manning trained. It's got the strength of an older horse, if that makes sense, because the way Peter trains him. And I just think he's the safest play in the race. Number one, cheers to Louie. He'll certainly hold up. Zubri could run a place off the leader's back. That wouldn't surprise me. And Cemetery Bay certainly could from three back the pegs as well. If Alex Ashwood heads there, which I wouldn't be surprised he does, he could certainly run a placing off the pegs as well. He's Charlie's Angel, clearly the best horse in the race, so I think on ability, no doubt about that. He had no luck in Queensland, and I wouldn't be shocked to see him bully his way to the chair and just be far too good for them. And I wouldn't be shocked to see Diamond Shoes sit sort of 1-1 and, and sprint home, dash home, and beat them as well, and ever hoping, as you mentioned, a lot of chances in a very good race. Race 9 is the second heat of the Winter Trotters Cup, sponsored by Sulky App. And, uh, yeah, I love Sulky App. They help me a lot with doing my form. Uh, 
and it's and it's an interesting sort of sulky up race. Does I am Pegasus get right across at the start of this race, Dan? Does it cross them? Does it lead? And then does he's all muscle work its way to the front? I wouldn't be surprised if that eventuated. Yeah, I think that's a likely scenario. You've got a horse like Egret can take a forward spot as well. King's Guard or Gaelic Lad's the one that's very quick out. I mean, I think they'll look to take a trail with it, but it, it, it's fast out. So it'd be the one that would be uh, more likely to be leaders back first turn. I think Iron Pegasus could cross and then he's all muscle, like you say, go mm. forward. Unless Egret balances up ahead of he's all muscle and has a crack for the lead. So yeah, yeah. Uh, that in itself will be interesting. Um, uh, Nathan, Jack, Mark, Pitt in the early part with their respective chances. And I think they're the main two chances in the race. But he's all muscle. Um, he's really putting it together. He's been impressive in all his runs, this preparation. He's, uh, and it's the maturity factor. Uh, of putting it all together, uh, which has stood out the most. Uh, Egret, um, you usually got to wait for a Group 1 race to come along for Egret to produce her best. She seems to get it right on the big days. Um, forget last start, just that stand-start run. Prior to that, runs were good, solid, fit enough now. Um, two, four, eight anywhere Hugo, uh, and one Gaelic lad. Gaelic lad's going to get a nice enough run. Iron Pegasus is obviously a, a chance. Seems like it's over the odds as well, considering it looks as if it should be able to lead initially. Um, and she was first up last time and just got run down. So uh, there's improvement to come for Iron Pegasus. There might be a bit more depth here. Kingsguard's the other horse I've got a lot of time for, just um, whether it can hold a forward enough spot. It just seems to take time to balance and then is very strong. So I don't want to forget about it from being a chance here because it's a really nice type of trotter. It's actually one of the better last races we've had for yeah. quite some time. Yeah. Two, four, eight, and one. Oh, it was better than the last at Kilmore last night. Let me tell you, Dan. Four horses and they're running 36 uh, quarters uh, anyway. And a 30. No fog? No fog, but there was a 33 minute gap between the races, something like that, for a four horse race. Anyway. Uh, look, you've mentioned a lot of horses there, and there's just one more I want to highlight is Zaram. He came out of the back of an Into Dominion campaign where he was not disgraced, 7th, 5th, and 5th mm. through the heats. He's come back this prep. His first up run from four back defence at Bendigo was outstanding. He got he was five back defence at uh, Bendigo when he ran eight, so he put a line through that one. Ran a really good race, went 4th at Kilmore. Uh, again from off the pegs, and then one at Maryborough and beat the the outstanding, classily, brilliantly named Malecki. I know <laughs> it's a big step up in grade, but he came off a handicap on that occasion. He came off, off 30 metres. He gets into this race, and a bit of speed on early. There's only eight horses in it. He's not going to be any further back than he has been at recent runs, and if they get a little bit tired in the last few hundred metres, watch for Zarem to absolutely close late. Uh, at forty-one dollars, if if we've tip, if if you followed my tips or you've had a, a lot of success on the night, just have a little each way play on Zarum in the last because he could blouse them. And uh, on the bait, and I don't disagree with anything you said, Dan. A lot of horses could win that race, and I just think the forty-one might be a little bit overs for Zarum, mate. Let's get to a break. Uh, we'll come back. We'll look at some best bets from Dan. We might actually catch up on some tips for Geelong last night. I know you, uh, you gave a best bet last week at Melton on the Friday night, and I remember it winning. Um, I could tell you the name of the horse if you wanted, uh, as I find L-O-I-T it was, I reckon, uh, okay. was your best bet. And you got it home last Friday night at Melton. So we'll get some tips for Geelong tonight as well from you, Dan. You're simply the best. 
Here are the panel's best. He certainly is. He's been the best for a long, long, long time. Dan Malecki, what are your bests for Saturday night? And I got a bit of stick for not concentrating last week because you were doing your jokes and, and I missed them, but I was busy writing them down. So I'm going to write and listen much uh, more clearly because there was some funny stuff in there when I listened back to it. Uh, race three, number four, Kai Valley Piero each way. I, I haven't found – I was close to tipping both uh, perfect in pink and or – I think is my best bets, but um, I, I felt a bit more confident in best bets at the each way prices in a yeah. couple of runners. So one of which is Kai Valley Piero, race three, horse number four, and uh, then Diamond Shoes in race eight, number three. So they're both, um, I think, generous enough odds. They're each way odds anyway. Well, well and truly five, six dollar marks. So them are two, race three, number four, race eight, number three. And I, and I did like uh, where Seggy prepared to tip it, thinking it might be into double figure odds as my value runner of the night. I still like it, but it'll probably get out. Sometimes um, we find in the trots that a horse that might come up under the odds, they still get out and start uh, at the odds you think they might have been in the first place. So yeah. don't give up on where Seggy getting out to more generous odds. Race one, horse number 11. And I think he'd be the sort of horse that you'd have a dollar a win, $4 a place on because he's going really well. And um, I just thought he's obviously been well found if he's come up 6 or $7, but he might get out a little bit. And spoke to Adrian Pace last night at Kilmore and they're pretty confident if that helps you. It's time for Multiculture. That was my fault. I pointed to Ollie to do the stinger, so I'll take full responsibility for cutting you off, Dan. It certainly wouldn't put you off. You're multi. Yeah, multi. I reckon um, to tough. follow the lead of the two horses I've tipped as my each way specials and just go all up the place. Race three, number four, Kai Valley Piero, and race eight, number f- three, Diamond Shoes. Um, yeah, I think that might be the way to go. You're looking at. Um, Probably just under four dollars, aren't you? The all up there. Yeah, the place odds aren't up for Kaivala Piero, so I would say at six fifty it'll be about two dollars twenty. Would that that'd be about right? Would you agree? Race eight should be Diamond Shoes dollar yeah. ninety five. So yeah, let's say four dollars. We'll call it an official four dollars. Take take that on board four dollars, and so that that's an interesting. Could you if you're just spending twenty bucks? Could you have say five to win Kaivala Piero, five to win Diamond Shoes, and have a ten dollar all up? place bet on the two of them that wouldn't be a bad way of playing the night then yeah absolutely it might be the way to go on a pretty tricky night as oh, well yeah. because if you're going to take exotics i think that you'd be wanting to take them for a lesser percentage but go wide enough and remember the big six kicking off race three with a potential hundred thousand dollar or projected pool and um and a pretty tough quaddy as well so there could well be a bit of value about it uh yet it's a night that you want to be watching and wanting to getting and in, getting involved so your budget might need to be higher than twenty dollars unless you get a winner early so yeah. maybe we should make it where seggy each way in the first get a bit of a bank and um and continue betting with a bit of theirs uh, for the remainder of the night but it's a good program yeah, my best is Yam Bucky, and I'll put a game plan up on Twitter that's it's a bit more involved. Uh, the game plan, we'll have to roll our way through it. Geelong tonight, Dan, I know you're looking forward to it. It's going to be a really good night out there. Have you got some tips for us there? Best bet, race three, number two, our Princess Die. Runner-up its last couple, just looks the right race for it. David Miles, race three, horse two. Each way, race six, 
uh, number eight, Captain Tom, Brent Lilly and Chris Alford combined. It's around the five, 550 mark. It was the sort of value that I, I thought you would need to have. But each way, race six, number eight, Captain Tom. And also in the last race, um, went terrific and massive odds last week, Perfidious Sue. And drawn the front line here, can run a bit of a race again. I know you gave a push to Rarity Rock and you were spot on there at big odds. Yeah. It was in the race where Destria started a short price favourite, but just over-raced, went far too hard and, and weakened. It's also engaged in this race. It's not a bad last race to finish on because I'm sure you'd probably give Rarity Rock a bit of a push. And I think Perfidia Sue showed up enough that... It would be a chance tonight as well, notwithstanding that Destria, James Herbertson now driving with uh, Kieran on the sidelines, um, has got a lot of ability and could be the, well, I say the massive improver um, on the way it over-raced last start. It could be the one to improve, but at odds number five in the last at, um, at a bit of value. Well, I'll add some information to that uh, from talking to Leroy O'Brien somewhere, Dan, I don't even know where, I've been that busy. Uh Karen had that fall the day prior to driving Destroyer in a trial at Horsham. And when the horse grabbed hold, uh, Karen's got broken ribs, I think. Uh, so uh, Vertebrae, she, I think. Yeah, vertebrae. Well, she really was in a lot of pain. She couldn't hold the horse. I think if she had been fully fit, she obviously could have held the horse a lot easier. So um, it was just one of those circumstances where a whole heap of things combined and everything seemed to go wrong for Destroyer. Uh, at the 400 metre mark, I think she, the horse could have been really driven out to go to the line and, and finish a little bit closer. But um, I think Karen was kind to the horse and just allowed it to get to the line. It's going to strip a lot fitter. Uh, Leroy O'Brien, super keen to, to win a race with this horse before it possibly heads back to Emma and, and Clayton and, I think it'll win tonight. I'd be pretty confident at $2 and $1.22. I think a lot of things will go in its favour tonight. Rarity Rock at $3 the place. He's got great gate speed. And uh, it looks a race you can really play pretty uh, pretty sensibly, in fact. I think Destroyer can win. Rarity Rock, uh, Perfidious Sue. And a little horse called Massive Central, who's about um, two storeys high. Uh, it'll actually, you'll look up to it when it goes past the judges, uh, the race course box there. <laughs> it, it's a horse that'll win a race one day soon too for Alex Hurley. Mates, I'll, I'll let you go. You can uh, have, a, have a relaxing afternoon preparing for Geelong. Have a great night tonight. Have a wonderful night at Melton. Uh, I'll look forward to catching up on uh, Trot's Vision, the trots.com.au. It's a very important piece of the puzzle on Saturday night, the Trot's Vision, with so many horses first up and driving tactics, etc. It'll really pay to tune in uh, throughout the night, Dan. Yeah, look, a big coverage really tomorrow night too because um, Matt Isaac's uh, HRV CEO will be uh, having a chat and also it's the uh, Hall of Fame Awards which will be announced through the course of the evening. So it is a big night as well as some great racing ahead as well. Thanks, Dan. Uh, we'll go to a break, mate, and we'll do it all again next week. Look forward to it. Thanks, Toby. Good on you, Dan. A break.